Latin. In addition, many in Devon would still have spoken Western Welsh, the pre-Saxon Celtic language that persisted as Cornish and still flourishes in Wales. The vast majority of the population were illiterate, and the ability to read and write was confined to about one person in a hundred, mainly the clerks, those in religious orders. Most of these were not ordained priests, being in minor orders as lectors, acolytes and subdeacons, as opposed to deacons, priests and bishops, who were the only ones able to celebrate the Mass and absolve penitents. The only coin in circulation, apart from a few foreign gold coins, was the silver penny. The terms pound and mark were notional accounting values, not actual currency. The pound was 240 pence or 20 shillings, the mark being 160 pennies or 13 shillings and fourpence. Pennies were cut into halves and quarters for convenience, as a penny was about half a day's pay for most workers. And now, figure of hate. Prologue Spring, 1195 The tournament was in its second day when tragedy first struck. It was not that such accidents were all that uncommon. The war games that were so beloved of Norman knights were intentionally dangerous affairs. If it had been otherwise, they would soon have lost their appeal. The previous day, a blustery Monday in early April, a Warwickshire baron had been unhorsed and had fractured his thigh. With the broken bone protruding through the skin, everyone knew that he was sure to die once it became purulent. Another competent was in his tent, anxiously tended by his squire as he vomited dark blood, after a blunted lance had caught him in the stomach. Otherwise the day had been fairly benign, apart from the numerous bruises and gashes that were too common to be noticed by the jousting fraternity. It was the next day of this three-day melee that claimed the first life. Sir William Peveril, manor lord of Samford Peveril in East Devon, was one of the hundred and twenty knights taking part in this escapade, and he was the first to perish. Some would say that at fifty-five, older than most of the participants, he should have been wise enough to stay at home, rather than rampaging about the countryside like someone thirty years his junior. But William had been competing in tournaments for most of his adult life, and owed some of his fortune to the spoils he had won in this dangerous pastime. He saw no reason to give up now, having a wealth of experience to add to his still brawny arms and his excellent eyesight. Soon after dawn that morning, the two armies had assembled on the tournament ground between Salisbury and Wilton. It was a stretch of undulating countryside, two miles long and half a mile wide, mostly open common with some thickets and copses of trees scattered within it. 
This Wiltshire site was one of the five that had been officially sanctioned by King Richard, as the only places in England where tournaments were allowed, though this rule was flouted more often than it was observed. The Lionheart, however, with his usual dedication to collecting money to finance his endless French wars, charged a stiff fee for participation, ranging from twenty marks for an earl to two for a landless knight. The common folk were strictly excluded, as tourneying was only for the aristocracy and the mounted soldier, though the peasants turned up to watch and to wager on the winners. On this Tuesday, William Peveril was part of the Red Team. In fact, he was one of the leaders, if such a term could be applied to a disorderly mob, for whom team spirit came a poor second to personal gain. His sixty combatants...